Good Bone Health makes active aging possible. Join us for inspiring conversations from diverse perspectives in osteoporosis, from patients, healthcare providers, caregivers, policymakers, researchers, advocates, and innovators. Protect your ability to live your best life. The information and opinions expressed in Bone Talk are not intended to replace the services of trained and qualified health professionals or to be a substitute for medical advice of physicians. You may review the National Osteoporosis Foundation's full medical disclaimer at nof.org. March is National Nutrition Month, which offers an excellent backdrop for us to review how our diet affects our bone health. You can easily learn to make healthier meal choices by understanding how to best incorporate foods that are rich in calcium, vitamin D, and other essential nutrients. Today, we are absolutely delighted to speak with Heidi Skolnick, a well-known expert in the field of nutrition. She is also a former National Osteoporosis Board member. Heidi has influenced millions through her media work, writing, and thriving consulting business. She's been a part of the Women's Sports Medicine Center at HSS in New York City for more than 20 years. Her company, named Nutrition Conditioning, oversees the performance nutrition program at the Juilliard School and the School of American Ballet. In addition, she's consulted with numerous Broadway shows. Heidi has also worked with the New York Knicks, the New York Giants, and the New York Mets, as well as Olympic, collegiate, high school, and recreational athletes. She served on the National Osteoporosis Foundation Board for 10 years and has co-authored three books, including Nutrient Timing for Peak Performance, The Right Food, The Right Time, The Right Results. Heidi, thank you so much for joining us. We really look forward to learning about diet and bone health. It's great to be here. So thank you for inviting me to share this information. I think it would be best to start the discussion by addressing the topic that good bone health really begins in childhood. Childhood and young adulthood are the bone building years. Can you talk about a bit about why it's so important for parents to focus on their children's bone health during these key phases in life? Yeah, so peak bone mass happens actually in our 20s. And that means that that is the point at which we have created the strongest, most dense bone that we will in our life. And when you think about that, if that we don't reach that peak bone mass in those years, it really is a predictor for setting us up for osteoporosis later in life. In some ways, depending upon why you have osteoporosis, but it is sort of a pediatric disease that manifests in our geriatric lifetime. And when you think about what's going on in our culture, you can recognize that it become, it's really become more challenging in ways because more and more young people are going on diets. In fact, there's some research that says third grade girls will say they're on a diet. Now, it doesn't mean that they actually are doing anything differently, but it is insidious. You know, the messages are all around. And so during adolescence, when we want to be sure that our young well, they're not really young adults. While they're adolescent, when it's teenagers, are eating adequately, getting in the calories they need, getting in the protein they need, getting in all the nutrients, specifically calcium, while they're building their bones. 
then you can see why we really want to be sure that they're not on diets, not being restrictive. And there's really something going on where dairy somehow is getting a bad rap these days. There are popular diets that omit dairy and you can get calcium from other food sources, but dairy is a pretty great bang for the buck. And so we, or they may be taking in soda. It's their time to like do that, take in soda instead of taking in milk. So we'll talk more about calcium sources later, but it often means that they're not getting the calcium they need when they need it. And then of course, physical activity. So as our country becomes a bit more sedentary, a lot more gaming time and time on the couch, we really have to figure out ways to ensure that our young adults, really all of us, get in the physical activity we need because that positive stress is really, it's more like a stimulation from being physically active, from getting out on the, around pubescence, even like playground, you know, jumping off the jungle gyms, all of that stress on your bone when you hit the ground helps to stimulate bone growth. So between nutrition and physical activity, that's the time that's so crucial to help build good bone health. Yeah. And I think many people do not realize that And so, Heidi, when we think about nutrition throughout one's lifetime, when it does come to that bone-healthy diet, what should people be thinking about? You mentioned dairy, et cetera. What else can you tell us about? Well, we do focus a lot on calcium and vitamin D, and it is essential, but it isn't the only nutrient. And really, at every age, we do need, as cliche as it seems, a very well-balanced diet because each of the food groups provides our body with something different that, in totality, helps us to stay strong, helps our bone, helps our muscles, helps our mind for lots of different reasons. So when we're growing, we're building bone quicker than we're breaking it down. And as we age, we start breaking down bone quicker than we're building up. But at every stage, we still need to get those nutrients in because as we age, if we're not taking in, let's say, calcium, where is it going to come from? We're going to have to dip into our bone bank and withdraw more calcium because we're not getting it in. So we want to be sure we're getting in. We can maintain the bone. We want to hold on to the bone we have for as long as we can. And if you're starting out in a deficit, like you never put enough calcium into that bone bank in your 20s, by the time you're in your 20s, you could see that it becomes harder and people have osteopenia and earlier osteoporosis. So at every stage, we really need to be sure that we are taking in all the nutrients that we need. And I think kind of a critical question, and this I guess would be, focused to parents if we're talking about that achieving peak bone mass, but then later in life, how does one know if they're getting enough calcium and vitamin D and the nutrients that they need to protect their bones? Well, for calcium, I think you can actually go to the NOF website, the National Osteoporosis website. They have a calcium calculator. So we tend to eat the same 15 foods if we really want to think about it. And so it's making sure that in those foods that we regularly consume, we're getting most of the nutrients that we need. And so I think taking the time to sort of look at what you're taking in, not every day forever. You know, I'm not talking about tracking and when using one of those apps or you're micromanaging everything you put in. But I do think that using the calcium calculator so that you can become aware of what you're eating and what calcium sources are and then tweak as needed to reach your goal can really be helpful. And if you're not getting enough on a regular basis and you really can't include enough foods that you 
realistically will to reach it. Then you can supplement. Vitamin D is tougher, I think, because it depends where you live. It depends a little bit on your age. We can convert from the sun, but not everyone's outside. If you live up north and in the winter, you're not going to get enough vitamin D. If you're older, you may not be converting as well. So I do think vitamin D is one of those nutrients that it is a good idea to supplement with. The recommendation is six to 800 IUs, but really you can even go up to 2,000. I wouldn't do more than that. Getting it tested depends who you are, where you are, and whether or not it's reimbursed because it can be expensive if you don't. But if you have the ability to get your vitamin D levels checked, it's a good idea because then you can know how much that you really, if you know where your levels are and if you need to supplement higher for a short amount of time to get your levels up or not. But I think that's sort of the best way to go. Yeah. And I think when everyone thinks about bone health, calcium, top of mind, also, as you mentioned, vitamin D. Are there other nutrients that are important for bone health as well? Yes, there are. So thank you for asking because I think you're exactly right. Everyone thinks calcium and vitamin D then ends there. And the truth is, first of all, let's just start with calories. You have to get in enough calories. It actually is important. And then we need adequate protein. We need to get in vitamin C which means citrus and berries and sweet peppers, potatoes, broccoli, Brussels sprouts. It's abundant in nature. We just really want to think and maybe try to get a vitamin C rich food in with each meal. Vitamin K, which are green leafy vegetables like collard greens and spinach and kale and broccoli and Brussels sprouts. And you'll see that we're going to keep talking about kind of the same foods again and again and again. So when I talk about how we kind of eat the same 15 foods, And for some, of course, it's more than that. But in other words, making sure that you have sort of these core foods in your diet and then you're going to be doing a pretty good job. We also need potassium and that can be found in milk and bananas and orange, apricots, beans, potatoes, sweet potatoes, dried plums. I mean, and these are not, this is not an exhaustive list. Magnesium, which are nuts and flaxseed and beans and quinoa, also milk, also yogurt, spinach, dark chocolate, tomatoes, raisins, omega-3 fatty acids. And I think this is confusing to some, but there's three different kinds of fatty acids. That's that ALA, the alpha-linolenic acid, EPA, and DHA. ALA is found in mostly plant foods. It doesn't necessarily convert very well into the DHA and EPA. Those are found in fish and other seafood. So that might be something if you really don't ever eat fish that you might consider supplementing. And then the last one that I think is one that is we haven't really talked much about for many years because we're just learning so much more about our microbiome and how our stomach, our gut health, affects how we absorb food. So in other words, two people could be taking, eating the same amount of calcium, but not absorbing the same amount. Yes, we know that we need vitamin D to help you absorb calcium, but it's more than that. And so keeping our gut healthy is really important. So that's like fermented foods. And in different cultures have predominantly different fermented foods. For instance, real sauerkraut is fermented. Many of the sauerkraut you buy here, it may be vinegar-based. You would want to get one that's fermented or kimchi or tempeh or kefir and yogurt are ones more popular to our culture. That's very accessible. It's not hard to have a yogurt a day. So that helps. And then foods with fiber, which isn't providing us with nutrient 
directly that affects our bone health, but it helps keep our gut health healthy, which helps us absorb the nutrients to keep our bones healthy. What an excellent way of describing things. I love the tremendous inventory of food that contributes to bone health. And you had really mentioned um, a great assortment. So when it comes to actual meal planning, I'd love to hear your insight. Do you have any like tried and true tips or resources or anything to share that might help the average consumer with healthy bone focused, you know, meals in their day to day? Well, I think you hit it on the head when you said planning. And it is a challenge in a way to talk here on a podcast that's hopefully going out to many, many people because it's so individual, right? Are you trying to plan for a large family or you do you live alone and you're planning for yourself? Do you tend to eat in and you like to cook or do you tend to eat out a lot or bring in food? And it's individual based on access and interest and lifestyle. But planning can be for everybody. And so whether you are working and on the road or you're at home, like that makes a difference. But can you anticipate what your day looks like, where you're going to get your food from? Do you need to bring your snacks with you so that when you get hungry, you have a yogurt to eat or an apple and cheese? No, are you just caught by surprise every single day at four o'clock that you're hungry and that's when you're reaching for the candy that's on your coworker's desk kind of thing. So I think that planning is really key and making sure that you have access within your home. You know, are you stocking your home? A lot of people will just say, oh, take Sunday to sort of meal plan. And the nice thing about meal planning is you can then also use leftovers in a much better way. Again, you're not caught off guard. So let's say you have rotisserie chicken one night with broccoli and potatoes. The next night you might make that into a fajita with beans and rice. And by the third day, that can turn into a fried rice and you're adding edamame or some egg to make the protein go further. So the meal planning can really be helpful in many different ways. And then also just knowing when you shop, well, I'm going to get seven yogurts because I know I'm going to eat a yogurt every day or I'm going to get cheese in those in an ounce portion because I know that's a good easy snack for me to have. And so really, again, planning ahead that you have the foods around that support all the things we just said is helpful. There's a really simple visual. It's really the plate approach where you just think of your plate as being a quarter protein, a quarter starch, preferably like whole grains or unprocessed foods. And then that might get bigger if you're really active. But then the other half of your plate is colorful. It's filled with fruits and vegetables. And it's just a really simple way to think about how you can not be counting everything, but being pretty sure you're getting in all of those nutrients, we ju- all those foods we just discussed that have those nutrients that will provide our bones and the rest of our body with what we need to thrive. And then, of course, there are a lot of apps out there now. So I don't know about our listeners who are a little more tech savvy or more up for using apps, but there's a lot of apps that can help with meal planning and grocery list management and recipe management. So it might be interesting to explore some of those. What a pragmatic approach. And the way you distilled it, everything you said, I visualized (laughs) doing. So thank you so much for inventory, imagining your plate, et cetera, et cetera. I really appreciate that very, very just kind of tried and true and easy to do information. 
Oh, we're I talking like about that. true and easy to do. I'm going to use that one. Thank you. <laughs> okay, good. Are there actually foods, Heidi, that are not good for bones? Can you tell us about that? Yes, although I will say I really do like when people focus on what they can eat and not on what they shouldn't eat, but it is true. So alcohol intake, if you are at risk for osteoporosis, limiting alcohol, which is not a big limit, it's across the board recommendation to no more than one to two drinks per day. So drinking can be a risk factor. Some studies have noted that caffeine may need to be consumed in moderation. Again, this is all pretty individual, but I would would recommend tea for different reasons, tea and coffee be consumed at least in between meals, perhaps, and not with meals. The tea, which can interfere a little bit with absorption. A high salt diet may be detrimental to bone health. And so, you know, again, we come back to that overall, again, it kind of seems cliche, but moderation is, is key when it comes to it. So there's no real bad foods. It's just a matter of making sure you're getting in all those foods that support your bone health. Right. And again, it's just key for everyone to know about these important messages because they really, really do help not only your bone health, but overall health in general. And as you mentioned, moderation, of course, is key as well. In terms of vitamins and supplements, what can you tell us about that and taking them at a certain age or when there's a certain need? Need drives everything. And some supplements we may take sort of on a preventative or health promotion track and others we're taking therapeutically. So clearly it is, again, an individual thing and you should check with your provider and it depends what other things you might be going on with your health. But in general, as we age, we absorb our stomach, our gut health again changes and we absorb less vitamin B12 from food or if we're vegan. So that's not really as specific to bone health per se, but B12 is one as we age, we really want to think about. We already talked about vitamin D and that really can be at any age, not just as we get older, but we do convert less as we get older. So we're even at more risk. The idea with calcium is it is a food first approach. So you don't take a thousand or 1200 milligrams of calcium, no matter what you eat, you really want to see what you're eating. And then based on that, you might take a supplement to do just that, supplement your food, but it's not an add-on too. So you might get a supplement pill that is in 200 or 300 milligram amount so that if you've taken in 900, you might just take one pill. And if you've only taken in 600 milligrams of calcium that day, you might then take two or so forth. And then again, omega-3. I think is one that is talk to your healthcare provider, but many people probably would benefit from. And then you don't need a supplement for protein. Although as we get older, some powdered protein might be helpful to meet your elevated protein needs just to sort of, again, add to your oatmeal or to have a smoothie as a snack or just to make sure you're getting in enough throughout the day, not just at one kind of dose at night. No, good. Thank you very much. This is all so, so helpful and boiled down in a way that folks will understand. So another thing that National Osteoporosis Foundation concentrates on, we talk a lot about diet, but coupled with diet, 
exercise should be incorporated into everyone's everyday activities. And what advice can you share about exercise with our listeners? Yeah, so I think that movement and activity and fitness is essential, that no matter how well we eat, really that resistance training as we get older, keeping our muscles strong is really crucial because it helps to build. As we age, we just naturally lose some muscle. In fact, about 0.8% per year after the age 30 or 40. So that become significant as we get 60 plus. And we really want to hold on to as much as we can. And eating well, making sure we have this protein throughout the day and all of the vitamin C and all these other foods and nutrients we've talked about actually does help with muscle. But resistance training is crucial to that as well. So resistance training plus nutrition can really help you stay strong, which we want to do to support our bone structure. And in addition to the resistance training, and I'm not talking about becoming a bodybuilder, I'm talking about two times a week is really all it takes for resistance training to try to help maintain that muscle. And the muscle gets strong, it pulls on your bone, and that helps to stimulate the bone to stay strong as well. And then we also want to include some postural exercises, right, to keep our posture upright and support our spine. We want to include balance, which when we're younger, you know, we're busy breaking a sweat and seeing how far we could go and how intense. And that's great to continue to do. High intensity activity at any age is wonderful. But you do want to do some exercises around balance because as we get older, our proprioception changes, our eyesight changes, our flexibility, our strength. And the more we can correct ourselves so that we don't fall, the better off we are in terms of fall prevention and having some of the, we want to prevent falls and breaks, obviously, as much as we can. And then another lifestyle habit that we, I think, has gotten a lot more attention, and we don't think of it impacting our bone health, but in fact, we have found that sleep also impacts bone health. So getting a good night's sleep is another contributor. It's not in and of itself the only thing, right? It's not taking the place of enough calcium or enough, all of these compounded help to keep us healthy and lack of sleep has been shown to be also a negative when it comes to bone health. Mm -hmm. My gosh, really appreciating the preventive and also staying strong recommendations that you have to hopefully help thwart osteoporosis. But if one does have osteoporosis, even a severe case What can you tell us about diet and exercise and kind of overall practices that one with osteoporosis should consider? Well, I would definitely say if you have osteoporosis, you do want to reach out to a health practitioner, to a certified exercise physiologist who can really show you how to modify. There isn't anything... All the recommendations we talked about still apply if to the degree and you might have to modify some exercises to make sure they're safe for you, but exercise will still be beneficial to you. So you do want to find out specifically what, let's say if you're taking a yoga class, what positions you can or can't do, how you might modify strength training so that you are supporting your bones and your spine, and your, but not hurting it. And so there are modifications that should be made. And the same thing, hopefully, if you 
have osteoporosis that's being treated and you're on medication. And so you do want to find out how is there, is there a way to modify your diet that needs to occur based on the medication you're taking, for instance. And then like anything, it's again, it turns from being preventative to almost therapeutic or treatment. So some of the things that are maybe a little bit more marginal, like caffeine or tea or some of the nutrients, you might be a little bit more particular about because you already have osteoporosis. No, that all makes, once again, excellent sense. Heidi, is there anything you'd like to share in closing with the audience? I just think that we don't under, I think most people, although I guess if people are listening, they get it. But how really serious it is, the number of people who suffer from osteoporosis and fractures and the ramifications of that on life and well-being. And so the earlier we start taking care of ourselves, the better it is, but it's never too late to have an impact on how we can function and, and how we can maintain what we have. And so no matter what age or stage you are in life, take action. Thank you so much, Heidi. Yes, wonderful. And really appreciate your sharing your wisdom today in such a user-friendly, memorable manner with perfect sound bites. Really appreciate it. It's been truly terrific. For our audience, we just want to let you know to learn more about osteoporosis and nutrition for good bone health. We encourage everyone to visit our website, which is www nof.org. And we will also have links to NOF resources and other nutrition information hosted with this podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Bone Talk as much as we enjoyed speaking with our guest, Heidi Skolnick. And if in fact you did enjoy this episode, we would like you to do two things if, if you could. Number one, subscribe to Bone Talk so that you never miss an episode. And then number two, please share with your family and friends. Thanks so much. And Heidi, again, tremendous thank you for sharing your wisdom. Thank you. And thank NOF because they really do such a fantastic job in providing resources to those who have bone health concerns and to those who are caregivers and advocacy It's just such a tremendous organization. So thank you. Thank you for joining Bone Talk, the National Osteoporosis Foundation's podcast that shares information, strategies, and inspiration about good bone health that makes active aging possible. To learn more about bone health, to become involved and or help fuel NOF's mission with financial support, visit nof.org.